Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. We are presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs, and this is our daily update during this incredibly nutty period of time where the global pandemic is spreading, the economy is really hit the brakes, and you have a lot of questions. So remember, these daily updates are just to give you a quick encapsulation, okay? We're not going to tell you every single thing that happened, but generally speaking, what I wanted you to know for today is it was another bad day. It wasn't the worst day. We had yet another 15-minute trading halt, this time in the afternoon, not in the morning. But um, what's also very important is that markets did tend to hold at the end of the day. I thought that, you know, as an old trader, I thought that was a very good sign that we didn't plumb through the depths. So the Dow was down another 1,300 points or 6%. The S&P 500 down 5.2 at 23.98. So there's a, a weird thing that we old traders start to do as we start talking about old areas of support. And so there was this one day back in December of 2018 where the S&P 500 was at uh, 2485. And the fact that we went below that particular level was sort of seismic in the marketplace. We didn't go crazy. It was a terrible day. I'm not saying anything good is happening. You know, the S&P 500 is down 26% this year. Um, We also saw crude oil fall. and, And that to me was something that was just unbelievable, frankly. Um, crude oil's down 61% this year. Unbelievable. What else happened? We finally got phase two of the bailout. That's about $105 billion. And that was the House bill that was already agreed upon. Now we're talking about phase three. And that phase three is pretty big deal. That phase three includes $500 billion in checks that are going to go directly to individuals. It's going to be in two different check payments, one in April, one in May. Looks like a thousand bucks each, but it's going to depend on the size of your family. So we don't have the details yet, but that's the biggie. And then in addition to that, there's $50 billion for the airline industry, and there's $150 billion for some other sectors under pressure. We don't know which ones, and $300 billion in small business loans. Again, no details yet. This is what's being worked on. And um, I'm hopeful that this could be the moment where we start to see some consensus build for a, a real unified voice in Washington to just do whatever it takes to get us through this period. So uh, you're going to hear about a lot of economists now. They're going to come out with predictions. There's going to be a recession. We don't know how deep. We don't know how long. All we know is that there's going to be a lot of people suffering and we all have to come together and help them out. All right. So to that end, let's help out someone who maybe is uh, has a few questions, may not be suffering per se, but we're going to talk to Rose, who's in Illinois. And so here's what's kind of cool. You know, we're doing the show remotely. Rose is in Illinois. Mark is in Manhattan. Jill is on Long Island. So hopefully this is going to work. Rose, are you there? I'm here. <gasps> Sounds so good. Hi. All right. What's going on? What can we do for you? Well, thank you so much for taking my call and for the dailies. I really enjoyed listening to them. Um, like everybody else, I'm just watching you know, the market and the world change, turn upside down. And I'm wondering at some point, we're long-term investors, so we're kind of the set it and forget it. 
Mm-hmm. It's hard to forget because it's diving. And we're wondering if there's like a benchmark or a threshold below which is it possible for the stock market to just like zero out and we should just take what we can salvage and run? Mm. You know what? I, I get that. There used to be an old joke when I was a trader and some people would say, you know, how low could it go? And I said, well, it can't go below zero and that would be horrible. So it's a little bit of gallo hu- gallows humors. Tell me more about you guys. How old are you, Rose? Um, 40. My, mm-hmm. my husband and I are both, you know, almost 40. Two kids, um, four and eight. How much do you and your husband earn together? Like last year, as we just did our taxes, we earned about $600,000 a year. Fabulous. Great. We're happy, blessed to have that income, but we haven't always had that. Like I've been either really part-time or I was on maternity leave or whatever. So the last you know few years, that's sort of been around where we've been at. Mm-hmm. Um, what we did was we really tried to live very frugally and save as much as we could so that we had the flexibility to come onto one income. I would like to keep working uh, here and there, but not have to earn a certain amount because mm. it, I would like to have a lot more flexibility at home with the kids, mm-hmm. especially as his career is ramping up. Right now, give me the kind of the breakdown, how much money's in retirement and how much is in non-retirement? Like where, where do we stand asset wise? So we had two million, I would say we had about two million dollars invested. Mm-hmm. And we had of that, I would say maybe three quarters or so was or two thirds was in a brokerage account, the rest was in retirement accounts, whether 401ks, IRAs. The allocation was about 85 stock, 15 mm-hmm. bonds, but we also had maybe almost 10% in REITs. And then we had we have 250,000 in cash, which we would normally have not had so much cash, but we wanted to buy a house. So we were just trying to accumulate a lot of cash for both the emergency savings and a down payment. Are you renting right now or are you is we're this renting. another home? We're renting. We've oh. always rented and oh. we've rented because we just we had pretty good cheap rent and we invested. We were just I was picky about what house we wanted to buy and we were poised to buy a house. Like we were actively looking. Interesting. I wonder, I mean, obviously I wouldn't tell you to, I would not buy anything right this second because we just don't know how things are going to shake out. What I'd like to know is whether your husband's income is secure. Do you think that that is uh, going to remain at this elevated level? I have doubts about that because he is in a good field, like he's in computers. I know I couldn't be more specific than Mm -hmm. that. I just think, you know, I have a feeling that there might be issues with contracts renewing or businesses, you know, business running dry. I don't think his job per se is at risk. Like he's valuable at the company, Mm -hmm. but they might lose clients. Like I just don't know what's going to happen right now. So in that case, I for sure would not be looking at going into a home. Okay. I I think Mm -hmm. it's fine to, to, you know, of course, to keep your eyes open if something, you know, popped up in uh, 90 days. I think we're going to know a lot more in the next two, three months. So Mm -hmm. in terms of the brokerage and retirement accounts, since you don't really need those right now, and they were, I, I presume that these were essentially invested for the long term. You weren't thinking about, oh, I'm going to use my brokerage account to buy the house. You had the cash set aside. So you've learned this really important lesson, which is, you know what, when you were 85, you know, risk and 15%, not as much risk, that may have been fine eight years ago. 
But all of a sudden, when you're 40 years old and you're thinking about buying a house and you've got the two kids, maybe now you've learned this lesson, which is let's get through this period and then let's really think about whether we're, we are essentially more risk averse than we had previously right. thought. But I wouldn't do it now. I mean, I, I mean, you got plenty of time. The markets are going to recover eventually. But I want you to remember and maybe write a note to yourself like, this was very painful and I do not want to go through this again, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't need the money. And that's good, the good news. So I think that from my perspective, I actually wouldn't do anything right now. And I would sit on my cash and I would continue to be really diligent about putting your money away into retirement force yourselves to buy as the stock market is going down just with those payroll deductions. And that's it. Because I don't think buying the house, put it this way, if you owned that house right now and you were staring down the barrel of having income go from 600 to 400, that would really be scary. And then you would start to feel like, oh my God, I want to sell everything. You don't really have to sell everything right now. You're not in that place. And I think that you will have much more information in the next 60 to 90 days. And I think that we all will. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a recession. I'm go- we're going to have two rotten quarters in a row. I don't know if it goes longer than that. And if it does, you're going to be really happy not to have the, the mortgage and the homeowner's insurance and the taxes and the upkeep. That makes total sense. I think, I mean, it's hard because the interest rates are so low. And people, I suspect, might try to low, might be willing to lower their sale price a little bit because. Well, let's 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 talk about that for a second. What would the price of the price range of the houses be that you were looking at? Yeah, so maybe I should just say one thing. What we were planning on doing was when we shifted to one income was having our house and all of our expects expenses be comfortably within the one income, which would have been my husband's income. Mm-hmm. And so we were not ever planning on touching the investable assets. It's Mm -hmm. not that I feel horrified that they've dropped and now I want to run out of fear. Mm -hmm. It's more that our financial plan didn't involve us adding really to our savings going forward. It's just Mm -hmm. that we weren't going to touch our savings. We're going to live off of his income. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully the savings would have grown so that in 20 years, I guess 25 years, we would have had that savings, that investments would have grown so that we could retire off of that Mm -hmm. without having actively added to it. And so now with the stock market having tanked, I'm wondering if I really can't cut back my job because we have to be adding to our savings or- I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think that what I, again, I think that this is such a strange period of time that I would Mm -hmm. say this. Give me the, you know, dream house. What was the price before the whole crisis started about? Say 600. Okay. So let's, let's just presume that for some reason, someone has to fire sale their house. You're still going to know more in the next couple of months about your own situation and about what happens to prices. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to pounce on something. Like mm-hmm. if you were looking at a $600,000 house and all of a sudden you said, oh my gosh, I could get it for four four eighty, then mm-hmm. yeah, we, we start looking at it again. I'm just suggesting that you wouldn't want to make a big decision this second without understanding the likelihood or the chance that something were to change for you guys financially. Yes. That's all. And so I think you're right. If you find a house that you're like, again, the $600,000 house, and all of a sudden it's like someone's fire selling for 400 something, then Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from you. We can run the numbers. We can look at what, maybe it wouldn't even matter. Maybe on, even if your income went from 600 to 500, maybe that would still be a good thing. Interest rates for mortgages are not going up anytime soon. 
Just be clear. Okay. Because when you go into a recession, when you go into a tr- contraction, interest rates stay low. Okay. I, I still think that you're, I think you're on the right track. All I'm saying is for right this second, mm-hmm. how about we just take a deep breath, no sudden moves in the portfolio, and also no sudden moves on the home purchase unless something amazing just absolutely falls in your lap. That is excellent advice. I really, that makes a lot of sense to me. Just Good. chill out, let yeah. things unfold. Don't do anything. We yeah. don't need to do anything to our portfolio. Like, it's not like we're going to, we were planning to use that money in the next couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, are you feeling a little bit okay? You can breathe. I do. I feel good. I think just hearing you kind of calm me down about it and give me some good advice is very helpful. I don't want you to stop putting money into retirement. I want you to keep putting money away as you were. Okay. okay. No sudden moves and nothing different. You're in the right, you're doing great. You guys have a ton of money. You're going to have a ton of money. I think you're going to be able to do what you want to do. Okay. I really do. It, it's a horrible time. And that's, we, yeah. we always get tempted to do these sudden moves because we it, it makes us feel like we're in control, right? That's really what's happening. We all feel like we want to do something because mm-hmm. we're so out of control about everything. I think what's scary about it is that in the news, there's a lot of first ever or first time since 30 years. So it feels like you're not sure if you're supposed to follow the conventional wisdom because this is a new territory. Mm. Yeah, you know, I get that. As somebody who's lived through a lot of those first time things, I can tell you that, you know, I was the person, I I just sent Mark this um, picture of the day of the 1987 crash. And uh, I remember thinking that, you know, we're living history and this is amazing and I'll never see anything like this ever again. And, you know, I've never seen that one day move, but the last few weeks has really been pretty stunning. And when I lived through 2008 and watching markets in that October of 2008, I never thought I'd see anything like that again. And so, you know, I will say one thing that the more you go through some of these things, the better off you are at just... Um, understanding that it this is not forever. This is where we are this mm-hmm. minute. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would like to leave you with, that this is where we are right this second. And you feel like it's going to persist forever because we're here now and it's not going to. That sounds great. I appreciate your taking my call so much and all of your advice. Thank you so much, Joan. My pleasure. Good luck. Stay in touch, okay? Thanks, will do. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. That was such a great call. Mark, thank you for arranging this and figuring out our technological issues. It's fantastic. If you're listening and you've got questions and you feel like Rose and her husband, you feel like, I can't take this anymore. I need something different. I'm I'm scared. Just give us a holler. All you have to do is send an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. That's askjill at jillonmoney.com. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening right now because it's daily right now. So uh, we're going to keep doing this and we're going to try to answer questions at least one or two every single day and give you a quick update about what you need to know. And uh, when you listen to this outro, know that our music is composed by good friend of the pod, Joel Goodman. Mark is over there doing the best job ever as an executive producer. We are distributed by Cadence 13. And the show is presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. 